aging plants. All right, so last night we went to Winter Jam. Y'all have heard that already. This is the last. It's sort of cool. There's just a few little cool things, uh, cool things to, to, to know about what happened last night. It's Georgia Dome. They're going to tear it down, you know, in a couple of weeks. Last night was the last concert, the last musical event that will ever happen in the Georgia Dome. last one. You know what the last song was, that was sung was? And this is what's crazy. We think about our kids, you know, and they, they listen to all that crazy rap mess and it's just awful and you can't understand. The last song that was sung in the Georgia Dome was, I'll Fly Away. Crowder. Crowder. Looks like Uncle Cy from Duck Dynasty up there on stage singing, I'm telling you, rocked the house. Last song. The only thing that's left to happen at the Georgia Dome is a monster truck rally, and we're getting up a trip for that next week. That was really cool. And we had a bunch of groups that, that sang, and, and like I said, there was one that, that if I never hear, hear this girl sing again, that'll be just fine. I don't have a problem with that. But there was a, there was a group that, that, that I think uh, might surprise some folks that I enjoyed, uh, and, and their name was 116, and uh, it was a rap group. Yeah, I understand a word he said. But he did give a little testimony. He told what the name of the group meant. 116 stands for Romans 1, 16. says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And he said, listen, we're a bunch of people who love hip-hop and rap, and we just want to share Jesus like everybody else, and that's what we're going to do. And when he started his music, even though I couldn't understand what he was saying, because I I thought he was speaking in tongues. I don't know. I think some of them knew what was going on. But when he said that and the music started, something in me just jumped up to where that guy was at. And I thought, you know, this is cool. I could listen to him for a while. This is really, really cool. I'm enjoying this. This is good. I don't know. What? Eight groups, something like that last night? Eight, 80. There was a lot of them. Three or four speakers, and one of the speakers that got up, the main speaker that got up to stand up and, and speak and spread the gospel to everybody, uh, had a testimony that was just a killer testimony. Killer testimony. Yours don't compare. He was born, are you ready? He was born to a drug-addicted prostitute who was mentally ill, and he was born in an insane asylum. That's where his mother gave birth. He was in foster care for three or four years. He got abused. His story goes on and on and on and on. Yours don't measure up. And see, here's the deal. As I was, as I was listening to that, and what's crazy is I had already got the sermon ready, which was a good thing because, like I said, I didn't get in bed till last night until 1.30. So I'm liable to fall over asleep at any minute. If I do, don't disturb me. Y'all just quietly get up and leave. But as I'm listening to this guy's testimony, comparing it to my testimony, and I realized that, that mine, you know, I, I was raised in church, and it's just, it has no zip to it. No zip whatsoever. It's just a testimony. Jesus saved me. Okay. So, like I said, I've been preparing this. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Babylon Bee. For those of you who are humor impaired, this is a joke. 
So don't go home screaming out of the room or anything like that. But what I want to do is I want to help you spice up your testimony so you can have a testimony just like that guy did yesterday. And yours can compare and you don't have to feel ashamed of it anymore, okay? So here are some tips to spice up your testimony. Number one, tell people that you got saved in prison. It's always a good story. I mean, think about it, man. You get saved in prison. You were a bad hombre, right? And here's the deal. We get all whacked out in the church over. I know a church right now that is having a church fight over whether we can have deacons that have been divorced or not. Let me tell you something. We'll fight about that kind of thing. But you get a guy stand up and say, you know what? I was 22 years old and I was married to this woman and we went to the Grand Canyon and it just hit me and I just pushed her right into the Grand Canyon. Yes, I did. Just pushed her down. I got arrested and I was on drugs and they took me to jail and I got a life. No, I got, I got, I got a death penalty but while I was in the chaplain talked to me and I was saved and and somehow my sentence got commuted and here I am and now I could share my message with all of you people you can't touch that I mean MC Hammer ain't got nothing on that you know it's you can't touch that number two number two (laughs) I can't go home today Can I come to somebody's house and watch the Super Bowl and maybe she'll forget? (laughs) Number two, get a tattoo. Now listen, nothing says bad more than having a single, at least a single tattoo on your body somewhere. Get some ink, preferably some ink that when you wear a t-shirt it'll slip up a little bit and you'll see it there. Now listen, ladies, I'm not talking about that butterfly that you had that evening, you know, and you got a butterfly tattooed on your shoulder. That don't count. You can't say butterfly and bad in the same sentence. That don't work. And guys, you got Papa Smurf on your ankle. Yeah, that's amusement for your children and your grandchildren. That don't mean you're bad. In order to be bad, you got to have that barbed wire thing, you know. And I'm telling you, I've seen some of you guys with barbed wire. When that needle hits right here, I'm imagining you're sitting there, got little tears in your eyes, you know. If you got barbed wire all right, you're pretty tough. And if you'll get something that looks like Chinese characters, don't really have to be, but looks like Chinese characters, you can tell people that what that means is, is I hated people until Jesus saved me. There you go. And if you can convince them that you had that done while you were in prison, that's even better. <laughs> Number three. Include a miraculous event in your conversion story. It could be a miraculous healing. It could be a vision. The best is a conversation with an angel. And I don't mean Roma Downey. I mean a real angel. You have a conversation. People can't argue with that. Tip number four. Continuously stress how bad you used to be. Tell them. Tell everybody. You know, if you can say prison, prison is the best. But any antisocial activity, if you, if you ever did drugs or alcohol, even if you just did it one time, if you were Bill Clinton and you didn't inhale, you tell them you did inhale. You know, just make it just as bad as you can. Talk about promiscuity. Don't give many details now. Just sort of hint about all this kind of stuff and, and make it sound so, so, make people think, man, they were a bad hombre. There is no doubt how bad they were. And then number five, the thing to remember to really spice up your testimony is is be creative. Remember, the only limit is your imagination. 
You can really spice up that thing just as good as possible. Drop all of the boring elements. Turn everything up to 11. You'll be the talk of the church in no time. And that's what you want, isn't it? That's what your testimony is all about, to make sure mine is a little better than yours. No, see, here's the deal. I have an awesome testimony because I know what God did for me. I have an awesome, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And don't you dare turn me off yet because I've had too much coffee to waste on you people. Stay with me this morning. I have an awesome testimony because I know what God did for me. The scripture this morning is from the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Starts in the middle of a sentence, his verse 12 through 14. Paul had a little run-on thing going on there. Need to talk to him about his English. Listen to what Paul said to to the church in Ephesus, speaking to us this morning. This is God's word to us. To the end that we who were who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. My testimony is awesome because I know what God did for me. Now let's dig in and let's see why. In him you also... After listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed. I don't know if you've paid much attention. If you're like I am, you've been raised in the church since you were about yay high. Some of this stuff you've heard and you know. And you've heard Paul talk over and over and over again about hearing. He's big on this hearing thing. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. You've heard that. You go to Romans 10, verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And here we are in Ephesians, and in Ephesians, and Paul is talking about hearing all over again. Paul's talking one more time about listening to the message of truth. I have a commentary that a friend gave me. Her dad was a pastor. Dad passed away. He's going through dad's library, found these uh, couple of, of, of commentaries that were really, really special to him. She thought of me and gave me the commentaries, which make them really special to me, that somebody would think about me in that kind of situation. And in that commentary, it just happens to be on Ephesians, The writer talks about three kinds of people who hear the gospel. He says there are three three different ways that people hear the gospel. The first is those people who have built up an immunity against God and they will never hear. They've built up an immunity against God and they'll never hear. They could be as angry as those protesters I see on TV who are dressed in black from their head to their toe and have the little mask on their face. Or it could be just as placid as your old Uncle Henry who just sits there and when you mention God to him, he says, listen, I ain't never lost lost nothing in church. He's not mean, he's not ugly, he just don't care. He's heard it a million times, he don't want to hear it anymore. Just doesn't mean anything at all. Sometimes these people are seriously evil people, and you know it. When you walk into their presence, you know they're evil. And sometimes they're just people. Sometimes they do really good things. 
They hear the same thing that you do. They hear the same truth. But they don't. They have no testimony. God's not done anything for them other than what he says, that he lets the rain fall on the just and on the unjust. Second group are the ones who hear the gospel and it sounds like sweet music to them. They hear, they hear the songs over and over and they learn all the lyrics. They can hum all the tunes and the music makes them happy, but it doesn't change them. You know, it's like when I was a kid and, uh, and uh, believe it or not, my music sounded a lot like these guys' music did last night. It really did. I mean, it's different, but it was the same. You couldn't understand the lyrics. You heard the music, had a good beat. You sat there, and we had the long hair back then, so boom, 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 boom. You know, we had the thing going on, headbanger, rock and roll. You'd sing the lyrics that you thought you heard until somebody corrected you, and then you'd sing the lyrics that they thought they heard. But the music just sounded good, and it didn't really change you. You didn't really hear it. And there are folks that are that way. They hear the music that God plays. They, they hear the gospel. It sounds great. It makes them feel a little bit funny, maybe a little excitement to it, but it never connects. They never really change. They pick up some rules, and they do a few little things here and there that make them look Christian, but they really did Nothing changed in them. There's nothing in there. And then there is you. And then there is you. You heard something, didn't you? And deep inside you, when you heard it, now listen to me. I get goosebumps. Deep inside you, you heard a voice that said, sit still and listen to me for a minute. And that voice whispered to you. And that voice whispered truth to you. And inside your heart, you knew in that minute, think with me, don't go away, stay home. Think with me in your heart in that moment, you knew that you needed a Savior. And you couldn't explain why that moment you understood that and you didn't know it 10 seconds before then. But you knew that you needed a Savior. And maybe you said it in a whisper, or maybe you were crying. Maybe there were tears all over the place. Maybe you were ugly crying. Maybe there was laughter, or maybe there was like me. There was no real emotion other than that moment of understanding, having this, this clarity all of a sudden. Oh, my God in heaven, I've offended you. I want you. I need to be saved. Save me, Jesus. And before you could blink, before you could blink, you were changed. You were saved. And listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. You were not figuratively changed. You were not changed in some spiritual sense that you can't feel, see, hear, smell, or touch. I mean, you were changed and you know, you know that you know that you know that in your heart something was different that minute. You couldn't pin your finger on it, but you knew something was different in me. You were changed. You can see it now. People around you can see it now. People that, didn't want, that wanted to hang around you before won't hang around you anymore. People that you didn't hang around before, all of a sudden you seem to be drawn to some of those people. 
because you are different. You were changed. Listen, tell me it's not true. You cannot explain it other than to say that somehow God moved in my heart and made me different. Listen to me. My testimony is awesome because I know what God did for me. I know what he did for me. God changed me. I can't explain it. It sounds nuts to people that don't understand. I don't care. You can't stop me. Yeah. You were, I was, we were changed. And we had nothing to do with that change other than the fact that for some reason we heard the same thing that everybody else heard, but it changed me. And now I am different. And it might sound more dramatic if you could tell somebody that you spent 15 years in prison as a drug-addicted pimp and that you were, got 10 really sick tattoos, and that may sound really, really good. But listen, even if somebody did fit that description, his or her salvation is no bigger and it's no smaller than yours because we all got saved exactly the same way. Both of us heard words that had been told to people tens of millions of people over 2,000 years and we were changed. It's got to make you sit and ponder. It's got to make you ask, why, Lord? Why did you save me? What makes me special? What does that mean? God knows why. And maybe one day he'll let us in on a secret. But all I know that right now is my testimony is awesome because I know what God did for me. That's all I know. You were changed. Paul says, having also believed, this is really good. I hope y'all think it's really good. I told Renee this morning, this sermon is really, really good. It may preach horrible, but I love what I'm talking about. Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Lots of words, but listen. Because you heard and something clicked in your soul and you believed in Jesus, you were sealed, is the word that Paul uses here. Nothing you did now, you didn't do a thing other than to turn to him who was called, the one that was calling out to you and say, I want you in my life. Save me, Lord. You did nothing out else, and yet you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, Holy Spirit of promise, I'll teach you some serious theology here. Hang on. Holy Spirit of promise means that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, and he came. There you go. That's the Holy Spirit of promise. God delivered on what he said he was going to deliver on. Holy Spirit of promise. When something was sealed back in Paul's day, the seal guaranteed that that person, that thing that was sealed was the real deal. Y'all hang in with me. Hang in there with me was the real deal. Now here, let me help you understand that. If you want to know the impact of not having a seal on your life, go try to get your passport with a birth certificate that does not have a raised seal on it. See, my son had this great idea. We've talked about this. He decided that he was going to go walk across Europe. And I knew that he was going to have to be rescued. 
So when he went and got his passport and all this stuff, I went and got my own passport because I knew that when something happened overseas, I didn't want to get arrested here trying to get over there before I could ever start. If I was going to get arrested, at least I was going to get arrested over there going after my boy. You know what I mean? If you're a mom or dad, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I was going to be prepared because I knew there was going to be catastrophe. There wasn't, but I knew there was going to be. So I went to the passport office, and I took the same birth certificate that I got my driver's license with, I think, and gave it to the lady, and she looks at it, and she goes, I can't feel the seal. And I went, but ma'am, you can see the seal right there on on, on this. You can see, I can't feel the seal. I said, ma'am, I understand you can't feel the seal, but it is definitely a birth certificate. They don't make them like that anymore. It had, you can see it, and she repeated, I can't feel. Yes, ma'am, what do I need to do? you got to get me one that I can feel. So I had to go and go online to the, to the Department of Birth Certificates in Missouri because I was born in Fort Leonard Wood, Fort Leonard Wood Missouri, to get the same piece of paper I had in my hand and hand it to that woman so she could feel with her thumb. And she yep, there's the seal. And I got my passport. That seal, though, said to that woman that I was an American. That's what it said. That Randy was born here and belongs here. He is sealed as a, as a citizen of the United States of America. That's what that birth certificate with that seal said to that woman. I was sealed. It showed ownership. When you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, he's saying, I own you. Nobody can take you away from me. That's the second part of that thing. Number one, I own you. Number two, nobody can take you away. Nothing can happen to me. You are sealed with this Holy Spirit. Listen, that means that I'm the real deal and that I'm God's possession. Nobody can ever take that away from me. Let me share something with you. Everything that you own, either the bank or the government can take it away from you. You cross that right rule somewhere and get on the wrong side of the law and the next thing you know you are homeless with maybe the clothes on your back and that's all you've got maybe your spouse is going to find somebody else or something else that they want to go to won't happen to me I could ask for a show of hands right this minute of the number of ladies and gentlemen in this congregation that thought life was rolling around just fine and all of a sudden their spouse walked off on them and they went what happened You don't know. You don't know. Your kids are going to, listen, you helicopter parents, the rotors are going to come off. It's going to happen. There's going to come a day that the kid's going to come in the house and say, listen, I've just met Bobby and we're moving to Washington State and we're getting married and I'll see you once every two years. Hope you have a good life, Mama. I love you. It's going to happen. Kids grow up. We raise them so that they can be independent. And then when they're independent, we're surprised. Don't be surprised. They're going away. And the house is real quiet when they're gone. (laughs) You might get disabled. You might get disabled. Or you might get very, very old 
And your body fails you, but your mind stays straight so that somebody has to feed you every day and somebody has to change your diaper every day and somebody has to roll you back and forth in bed so you don't get bed sores. That could happen to you. But no matter what happens, no action, no word, no anything can change what has happened inside of you. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are his possession, not till the day you die, but for all eternity. Not only is the Holy Spirit holy now, but the Holy Spirit is God. And he is the agent of God's holiness. And because you were sealed by the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit cannot coexist with sin. So because you've got that Holy Spirit in you, you're going to change whether you really ask for it or not. You're going to start seeing come out of you the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all that have been in church forever have heard this verse. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, there is no law against these things. Now, these all sound like soft skills, but let me help you understand somebody, something. For anybody that wants to try to water down what it is that happens to us when we're saved, I know a man, many of you know this man too, who has run his business and lived his life by those soft skills right there. He has touched more lives than, us, than most of us ever will. He is a man's man, and he eats peanut butter whenever he wants to eat peanut butter. He don't have to eat it because he ain't got no money. Those skills that the Holy Spirit put into us, men, make us men's men. Women, make us women's women. Those skills that the Holy Spirit seals in us and changes in us, those soft skills make us into something that cannot be stopped. I have an awesome testimony because I know what God's done for me. I'm, I know I know. We just, what time is it? Oh, Lord, help y'all. <laughs> I'm not cutting it. You can leave if you need to, but I want to finish this. I like it. Do you realize, do you realize that by giving you the Holy Spirit, that God has obligated himself to you? He has obligated himself to. The scripture says that he is the earnest money. He is the pledge of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is our down payment that says that when it's all said and done, you get a down payment, that's a little bit. When you get the final payment, you get it all. Go look at your mortgage. You'll understand it. That's what this is right here. You get that little down payment right now, but eventually it's going to be huge. You're going to get an inheritance with all the brothers and sisters that have that same seal that you do. God has obligated us, obligated himself when he sealed us with his spirit. And if he goes back on that promise, he can't be God because, see, God doesn't lie. He is trustworthy. He cannot go against his nature. He says, I will deliver. He's going to deliver. Listen, my testimony is awesome because I know what God has done for me. I know what he's doing now. I know that there's more to come. He is going to continue to change me to be like him. My life and my person and my spirit and my soul is going to become more like Jesus until the day I pass away 
find myself sitting at his right hand. He's going to take me home to a land of milk and honey that has never been seen this side of glory. I don't understand it now. I will understand it then. And there is nothing that can stop that. My testimony is awesome because I know what God has done for me. When I was 12 years old, Beth Neal was the closing pitcher. I have been in church all my life. I was in the cradle roll when they, you know, they had to change my diaper. God bless those women because there ain't no telling what I did. You worked in the nursery. I'm in vacation Bible school and Beth Neal speaks the truth about Jesus. I heard that I needed a savior. And in that moment, I saw what I needed. And I heard him calling out to me. And I wanted to go to where he was, but I couldn't go on my own. And I said, Jesus, I need a Savior. And I was saved. When I was 14 years old, I walked down the aisle of the Davis Chapel Baptist Church to make it public. Now, you might say that, Randy, if you were truly saved when you were 12, why did it take you two years to make it public? You need to argue that with God. All I know is that for two years, me and God argued back and forth about that two-and-a-half-mile walk that was going to have to be taken to get to the front of Davis Chapel Baptist Church. And at the age of 14, he won and convinced me that I had the courage to walk down that aisle. And I walked down the aisle and told Talmadge Chandler that I had trusted Jesus as my Savior and Talmadge Chandler baptized me and I became a baptized, born-again believer in Jesus Christ. I have a wonderful testimony, an awesome testimony because I know what God has done for me. What's happened since then is irrelevant. It is a testament to my obstinacy and to his faithfulness. It doesn't matter where I've gone. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter how good I've been or how bad I've been. The outcome has been guaranteed from the beginning. He sealed me. He changed me. He redeemed me. He made me his son and he did it to you too. To the glory of God the Father. Praise his name for what he has done for you. And that is all I got to say about that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We sit in the church. I mean, you, you stood up. I didn't say it in those words because they can fire me, but you're, you're protected. But guys, we do need to wake up. Wake up to the gift that we've been given. It's like Christmas is past and we pulled the sofa out and found out the best present got slid around the back. And man, look at what I really have. You have a wonderful testimony, awesome testimony, because God chose you before the foundation of the earth to love and to change and to give you heaven when you die and heaven on this earth in your spirit. Pray with me. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. 
watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Father God, I thank you for my granddaddy, who I will forever remember singing that at the top of his, his, his voice, embarrassing me as a teenager. Singing that song so loud and so out of key because it was his story. And I thank you, Jesus, that you saved my granddaddy and you saved me and you saved so many people in this room. You have sealed us and you have changed us forever. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. I want to ask you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a second. Those of you who are born-again Christians who will stand up, if I ask you this moment to ask you, would you, if you died today, where would you spend eternity? You would say, I would spend eternity in heaven, and I'd say, why? And you'd say, because Jesus saved me. If that is you, I want you to take a minute, and I want you to remember how awesome your testimony is. So, Randy, Jesus hasn't done that much for me. You need to take stock of your life because I can look back on my life and see him working in places that I thought he was a million miles away from me. He is going to change you. The Holy Spirit in you is going to make you like Jesus, and he already has. Look back. Look back, saved brother and sister. Look back and for a moment appreciate what you've been given. And for those of you that if I ask, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Would you spend eternity in heaven? If you answer the question, I hope so, or I don't know, I want to tell you that there is a Savior calling out to you right this moment. Randy, how do you know that? Because he brought you here. There needs no convincing to be done. He brought you here. And if he brought you here this morning, he wants you to know that he loves you so much that he let his son die on the cross for you. Not only for you, but as you, your sins were nailed on the cross in him. You were there. And he says, if you will trust me to take your sins away, Trust me to grow you up. I will give you eternal life. And your response to that is, please, Jesus, I need a Savior. I ask you this morning, if you would, if you have never prayed that prayer, that you would ask Jesus this morning, please, Jesus, make me your child. Be my Savior.